All right, well, good morning, Redeemer. Uh, as Pastor L said, and as many of you know, my name is Bentley Crawford. Uh, I, I can't believe my family and I have, have actually been in your midst and in your community now for eight years. That's crazy to believe. And as he said, I'm the REF campus minister down the road at Bellhaven University and have been there finishing up my fourth year. And so I just kind of wanted to say right before I get started, I just want to thank you as a church for your investment in our ministry in ways large and small, and for the ways that you care and encourage the students from our school that come in and out of your midst, and you may not even always know about. So I just wanted to thank you as a church for that. Now, as for the sermon that I'm going to be uh, speaking on today on this Youth Sunday, we're going to start this morning by reading a few verses from Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, okay? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. And it's going to frame our time as we ask what I think we'd all agree is a core question that we all wrestle with, especially in our younger years, and often continue to wrestle with throughout the rest of our lives. It's the title of the message this morning, and that question is, who am I? Who am I? And then related to that, what voices am I listening to in answer to that question? So, let's get ready to read Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, and explore what the Bible has to say about this. But before we read it, let's pray and let's ask the Lord for His help this morning, okay? Let's pray. Lord God, we want to come before you now and ask for your blessing on the reading and on the preaching of your word. That you would take whatever is good and true and right, and by the power of your Spirit, minister it deeply to our souls. And whatever is silly and of me, you just help everyone to forget <laughs> and forgive. Lord, we pray in accordance with the song we sang this morning, Good, Good Father. Lord, we've been searching for answers far and wide, but we're all searching for answers only you provide. Please would you minister your truth to us this morning along those lines. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all, so I want you to imagine, maybe it's tomorrow, it's a regular Monday, right? The alarm goes off in the morning. What are you, oh wait, sorry, what am I doing? I missed the scripture reading. Okay, pause, time out, back up. This is Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. All right, here it is. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. All right, that is God's Word for us this morning. So back to what I was about to say. <laughs> Imagine it's a regular Monday, right? The alarm clock goes off in the morning. What are you feeling? What are you going to be feeling tomorrow morning? Dread? <laughs> Excitement, maybe? I don't know. But there seems to always be these moments, at least as kind of time starts to go on and things start to build up, right? Where we kind of have these moments where we stop and we look ourselves in the mirror and we kind of wonder, right? Like, who am I? What, what am I doing with my life? But it doesn't just stop with us wondering about ourselves, right? It, it then moves to things outside of ourselves, we hear the music, we listen to the podcasts, we see other people, and we compare and measure ourselves against them, right? We have positive and negative interactions at school and at work and with friends and with others, and they make us wonder 
about ourselves, don't they? And we get on social media, we scroll Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or YouTube, and we see these images of of happiness, of fame, of riches, of success, of beauty. And we feel like we don't measure up. And in all of that, I think on some level, we're asking, we're looking for the answer to the question, who am I? And then after all that, right, At the end of the day, we often find ourselves in our beds, left alone to our thoughts, replaying scenarios and experiences and interactions, and then on top of that come our own insecurities and fears about what's to come, or our anger and sadness about the state of our lives, and in all of that, I think on some level we're asking and answering this question, who am I? Right? I think if we're being honest, most of us are actually consumed with this question, aren't we? Like, even if we don't articulate it, and it dominates how we conceive of ourselves, how we feel like we're doing every day, even our actions that we take to prove some answer to that question to ourselves and to others on a daily basis in how we live our lives. I mean, don't we all feel it on some level? And you see, y'all, in all the examples that I've mentioned, we have all of these voices coming from outside of us, our families, our friends, our fellow students, fellow workers, right? Social media, the culture around us. And then we have all of these voices from within, our own thoughts and feelings and fears and anxieties. And I want us to think about this question. Which of those voices is right? Which of those voices is right? Which one is telling the truth about us? Which one should we trust? Which of those voices should we actually listen to and give power to tell us who we are and how to think about ourselves and other people? And of course, y'all, the answer is that none of those voices is ultimately trustworthy. They can't bear the weight we want to give them. And so whose voice can we listen to? Well, the good news I want to share with you this morning is that the God of the Bible has a better, truer, more authoritative word on your life than any of those other voices that we're tempted to listen to. And that's where this Proverbs verse comes in that we read this morning, right? On the question of who am I, this verse asks us, well, which voice are we listening to? Which voice are we letting have authority in answering that question for us? Will we lean on our own understanding or will we trust the Lord and let him speak a better word to us? And so what I want us to do this morning is I want to look at four big things. In fact, I would say it's the four big movements of the whole story of Scripture that God tells us is true of every single one of his people. Truths that we can bank our lives on and use in the fight against the lies that we often want to believe. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. So here is the first big truth that God says about who we are. I am created by God and have great dignity, purpose, and worth. I am created by by God and have great dignity, purpose, and worth. 
Well, where do we find that? Of course, the very beginning verses of all the Bible spell it out for us. If you want to turn there, you can, or you can listen to me read it. This is Genesis 1. I'm going to read verse 1 and also verse 27. Listen to Genesis 1-1, very first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then skip to verse 27. This is Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Right? What these verses tell us is that when we look in the mirror and we ask ourselves that question, who am I? While we may be tempted to answer that in a wide variety of ways, the very first thing that God says is true about that person looking back at me is that you are created by me. You were created by God in His image. And so you have great dignity, purpose, and worth. I mean, y'all, isn't that beautiful and powerful to combat the lies that we want to believe about ourselves and feel from others around us? And I actually think that there's two ways that this truth cuts, okay? First, it tells us that we aren't God, right? That God is God, and it's He that created us. And you know one of the things that that means? Think about it. All the ways that we get frustrated at our limitations, right? I mean, how many times have we said it? If only there were more hours in the day, right? I could do all the things. I could see all the people. I could take care of all the problems. I could, I could do all my work. I could read all those books on my shelf that are taunting me, right? I could, I could learn that new thing that I've been interested in. I could watch that show. I could play that game. I could, I could spend time with friends. I, mean, I, could, I, could, I could spend time with family. I could rest. I could relax. I could exercise. I could serve. I could take care of all the people who need it, right? If only I had more energy, if I wasn't so tired, if I just felt a little better, if my back wasn't hurting, I could do it. I could do it all. I could solve all the problems. I could be all the things. And one of the things this truth tells us is no, you can't. And that's okay. Because you aren't God. You were created by Him with creaturely limits. And those aren't bad things. But the second way that this verse cuts is by telling us, no, you aren't God, but you were created by Him and in His image. And so this speaks to all the ways we don't think we have worth. Right? We don't think we have purpose or the ways we look for it in all the wrong places. I mean, what happens? We come to church. We see one another. We go to school. We go to work. We go out in society. We see all the ways we think we don't stack up. And of course, I already mentioned it. This is the dark side of social media usage, right? We see all the awesome pictures the fun times, the beautiful bodies, right? The money, the success, the fame, the intelligence. And so often, right, we look at that and we look back at ourselves and what do we notice? We notice the things we don't have. We aren't beautiful enough. We aren't successful enough. We aren't rich enough. We aren't significant enough. And what is that doing? 
Y'all, it's telling us lies about our worth, isn't it? But sometimes it also bleeds into thinking about our purpose, doesn't it? And so I see those things I don't have or I don't think I have enough of, and so my mission in life becomes a mission to get them. Right? I've got to become rich one day. I've got to become beautiful. I've got to be significant. And if I don't make it or feel like I can't, then how can life be worth living anymore? And y'all, what is so beautiful about this first truth is that it reminds us of regardless of whatever else those other voices are saying, you are created by God. And the most important thing about you, the most important thing about you isn't how beautiful you are, isn't how successful you are, isn't how popular you are, you are isn't how rich you are no the most important thing about you is that you were created by the god of the universe and you are more than all those things whether you have them or not and not only is that true of you but it's also true of every single person you see uh my students are gonna laugh because they've heard me use this illustration probably way too many times um but this is the classic situation in Toy Story 1. Any Toy Story fans still out there these days? Toy Story 1, right? Woody, think about it. He's all kinds of upset that Buzz has come into the situation, right? Get back to the front of the movie, right? Woody is looking at Buzz, and he's looking back at himself, and he's thinking about all the ways that he's not as cool, right? That he doesn't measure up. And then what does Woody do? He goes on to create all these problems because of his frustration over it all. But, what of, but of course, like, what does he finally remember? He finally remembers, eventually, that Andy's name is still written on his foot, on the bottom of his foot, no matter how he's measuring up to Buzz. And for that matter, it's probably written on the bottom of Buzz's foot as well, right? I mean, y'all, how much more true is it that when we're all messed up, over how we measure up against one another, that remembering that we are gods and that we're created by Him, that we are stamped with His image that can't be taken away. And so is everyone else we see. Man, how can that help us fight and how we view our worth and our purpose and fight against the lies that we're tempted to believe in this area? Amen? And so that's the first truth I want to give you this morning. A lot of other voices, without and within, got a lot to say, but God says with divine authority that we can bank and trust, bank on and trust, that we are created by Him. And so we have great dignity and purpose and worth. But of course, that's not the end of the story. And so here is the second big truth that I want to give us this morning, and that it's true about every single one of God's people. Everything in my life is corrupted by sin. So not only will I face many hard things, but I also can't make myself right with God. Everything in my life is corrupted by sin. So not only will I face many hard things, but I also can't make myself right with God. So we started off by reading Genesis 1. But just two chapters later, as many of you know, in Genesis 3, we read that the whole world fell into sin and came under the curse of God. And actually, in the New Testament, in Romans 5.12, just going to read this one verse for you, Paul sums up what happened there. 
He says this. He says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Like, you hear that? There is no person in all the world that has not been affected by sin. All right? It's like a horrible disease that has spread to all people and all things, and it couldn't be stopped. And what it has ultimately brought is death. And death in two forms. Physical death, but also spiritual death. We, in and of ourselves, are unable to reconcile ourselves to God. We are separated from Him. There is nothing in this world that sin has not corrupted, and many of us know this. And so think about that first one. So along the lines of of physical death, right? Physical death. The first thing this means is that life is going to be hard. Life is going to be hard, right? It's created by God, and so there's going to be a lot of beauty in it, but it's also fallen into sin, and there's physical decay and death. I mean, this is something I'm wrestling with right now. Some of y'all who are older are going to laugh, you know, as a 37-year-old, as right? I'm getting older. My body is aging. I got to go see the doctor more often. I can't eat as much food as I used to be able to without consequence. Things hurt for seemingly no reason. I mean, we all encounter at some point or, or another the reality that our bodies are dying, right? They aren't perfectly healthy, there is disease. There is difficulty. Our, our brains don't work like they should. And that's not only true for us, but it's true of everyone around us in different ways. And y'all, one of the things I think this speaks to is our propensity and our, our pride at times when we're younger. To kind of see hard things happening to others, but kind of thinking, well, like, yeah, I mean, that probably won't happen to me, Right? I mean, if I work hard enough, if I take care of myself well enough, like, I can avoid most of it. People just need to be more like me, and then they wouldn't have all those problems. <laughs> but I mean, what does that line of thinking set us up for? What does that set us up for? When the hard times finally do happen, which they will, we're then tempted to think, well, God must not love me. But this truth tells us no, that sadly we will face hard things. We will face difficulty. We will face loss. We will face sickness and even our own death. But that doesn't tell us that God doesn't love us. It tells us that this world is not as it should be. That this is not how God originally created it. And in fact, because God loves us, he is at work to fix it all. But y'all, as we said, not only does this truth tell us that we'll face physical death, but it also tells us that we've all experienced spiritual death. Right? That in and of ourselves, we are actually in rebellion against God. And we can't deliver or save ourselves. We desperately need salvation. I mean, a lot of times, even if we know this is wrong, we live our lives, don't we? Kind of thinking, man, if only I could be good enough. If only I could work hard enough. If only I could love people well enough. Well, then surely I can make it to heaven. And think about that question. Why should God let you into heaven? Why should God let you into heaven? I think if we're being honest, there's a part of our hearts that wants to say, 
I've done a lot of good things. I mean, I've been to church. I'm not like those other people. I mean, look at all I've sacrificed and haven't done. And that's not something only in our hearts, right? It's something that we hear out there in the world. Uh, In some of the Avengers movies, there is this running theme with Black Widow, right? Where she talks about having red in her ledger. If you've ever seen those. She's got red in her ledger from some of the bad things that she's done in the past. Right? And what is she trying to do? She's trying to counteract that to wipe some of it off through her good deeds now. And hey, obviously, right? That she isn't doing the bad things anymore and she's trying to do some good things is a good thing, right? But when it comes to our standing before God, it doesn't work that way. This truth tells us that we can't do it. Like We can't erase the red in our ledger. We can't deliver ourselves. We can never be good enough. We can never work hard enough. Only God can save us and deliver us from the effects of sin. And so, y'all, the hard truth in this section, no matter what other voices might want to tell us, is that God is saying it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter who our families are. It doesn't matter what we've done. All of us will face hard things in this life, and none of us can save ourselves. And so, y'all, that brings us to the really, really, really beautiful news That not only did God create us, and not only have we fallen into sin, but God in His great love is at work to redeem us. So that's the third big truth about ourselves that God tells all of His people. This is the third one. He says, I am freely redeemed by Jesus and loved with a love I do not deserve. I am freely redeemed by Jesus and loved with a love I do not deserve. I mean, think about the last point, right? We, we feel the effects of sin, don't we? I mean, it is horrible and it is grievous, both in our own sinful hearts, the ways it's affected our bodies and our minds, but also others that we love and, and even our relationships with them. And the beauty of this third truth, in contrast to that, is that this is not the end of the story. I mean, anyone who knows me knows that I love a good hero movie. Okay, I love to be moved by seeing some great moment of deliverance or of salvation. And there's no shortage of movies like that because there's something in all of us that longs on some level for this, right? But not everyone agrees with me about their evaluation of hero movies. They don't all love it. I think this is why some of us love hero movies and also why some of us are jaded against them, right? Because we all long for someone to actually live up to the billing. But so often we know that's not reality. We long for someone to live up to the billing, to actually practice what they preach, to not let us down for once, for some type of real hope to exist in the world. And the beauty of the Bible is that it tells us that there is such a person. That a real hero does exist. And not just in the movies, right? It tells us that we have a God that didn't leave us alone to figure this all out. To face disappointments and death and sadness all by ourselves. But who entered this world. 
who became a man and who did everything necessary to save us from our sin and deliver us from this dark and dying world. And so some of this story is captured in the book of John chapter 1. I'm going to read a few verses from John 1 um, in verses 1 to 14. Listen to this. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I'm going to skip forward to verse 9. It says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What this is telling us is that Jesus is the hero of the story, right? That has come to redeem and bring salvation and life. And y'all, here here are some of the lies, I think, that we can believe in this, this section. On the one hand, like we talked about in the last point, sometimes we don't really think we need Jesus, right? Because we can kind of handle our business. But that second, that, that second truth we already looked at said, we can't do it. But on the other hand, we can go the opposite direction, can't we? And we think that God couldn't love us. We think that Jesus couldn't redeem us. Because what happens? All of us know on some level that we are guilty in some way. We know we hadn't loved God like we should have. We know we haven't loved others like we were supposed to. And there are things that we have thought and said and done, man, and if, like, if others knew, they probably wouldn't want to have anything to do with us. And, and, and if God knew, there's no way He could love us. And this is especially true, I think, if we've been Christians or if we've grown up in a Christian home because we've known about God. We've known about what we should and shouldn't do, and yet we've still messed up. And so the lie we believe is that we're too far gone, don't we? An extreme version of this is getting to the point of Darth Vader in Star Wars. Uh, Think back to Return of the Jedi, right? Episode 6. There's a scene where Luke intentionally turns himself into Vader, right? He, He lets himself get captured because he wants to speak to his father, He wants to appeal to him, right? Because he still believes there's some good in him. Still time for him to turn back to the light side. And what does Vader say in response to that, if you remember? He says, it is too late for me now, son. Right? It's too late for me, son. I mean, how many of us wonder that about ourselves deep down? It's too late. For me now. My, my children, maybe. But it's too late for me. And the beauty of this truth, y'all, is that if we're thinking like Luke was, 
that maybe, hey, maybe there is still some good enough in there to save ourselves. Well, we are right. It is too late. But that's not how God's salvation works. That's not how it ever worked. We were dead in sin. We were too far gone. Our hope in ourselves was done. And Jesus did the work. Jesus paid the price. And Jesus was raised to the new life from the dead that He's now freely giving to spiritually dead people. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 says it perfectly. It says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. I see that even when we were dead, God made us alive. Why? Not because we were so lovable, but because God was so richly merciful and loving. And see, all this truth tells us no matter what other voices would have us believe that the God of the universe is saying with all divine authority that we can bank our lives on, that we are freely and fully redeemed by Jesus because of a love we don't deserve. And that's some good news, isn't it? But y'all, here is the deal. Even that is not quite the end of the big story of the Bible. And so this is the last point, the fourth truth I'm going to end on. Is that I am on the way to the new creation. And so I have great hope that God will make all things right and that God will make all things new. I'm on the way to the new creation. And so I have great hope that God will make all things right and make all things new. I think one of the things that can happen to us, even if we believe the other three truths that I've talked about today, is that we can kind of get to the point, right, where we're like, I mean, okay, great. I mean, Jesus may love me, but it sure feels like this world is all there is. And it's hard, and I'm hurt, and I'm jaded by it all, right? And so I may as well do my thing. I may as well not mess too much with loving other people, because all that comes with that is a world of hurt, and it's not like things are going to get any better. And what is all of that getting at when we start to feel that? It's getting at the question of hope. There are awful things that have happened to us or to other people that we've loved. I mean, do we have any hope that God is going to make any of it right? Right? There, There are really hard things that never stop being hard. No matter how hard we try, we we can't love perfectly, right? Even trusted relationships, we find hurt and pain. Our our health problems seem to never stop. I mean, do we have any hope that that any of this is worth it? That God is going to one day make all things new. Y'all, this is where the very last chapters of the Bible are so beautiful and powerful. I'm going to read a couple of verses to you from Revelation 21, the second and last chapter in the whole Bible, verses 1 to 5 of what God is going to do one day in the future. 
It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Y'all think about this question. What is your hope as a Christian? What's your hope? It's not just that Jesus loves you, which is true. It's not just that you're going to heaven one day. It's that God is going to make a new earth. And He's going to perfect our souls. And He's going to give us new bodies. And we're going to live together with Him forever. I mean, listen to verse 4 again. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Don't we long for that? And it seems too good to be true, doesn't it? And yet God's Word says it. And so think about it. Just as much as we believe that God created the world, and just as much as we believe that Jesus is real, so we should also believe that God is going to bring His new creation one day. And one thing He's going to do is He's going to make all things right. He's going to undo the effects of sin. All the loss, all the despair, all the sadness, all the pain, all the injustice, healed, bandaged up, addressed, set right. And not only is he going to make all things right, he's going to make all things new. All the ways we fail. All the things we struggle with, all the sickness, all the pain, all the death, gone. All the pain we cause each other in broken and difficult relationships, restored. And so y'all, this last last truth speaks a better word than all the things that tell us that this life is all there is that we don't have any hope. It says, no, you do. Because God is at work. And His new creation is coming. And so just to end, the question I asked at the beginning, who are we? And what voice are we listening to in answer to that question? Well, the God of the Bible says these things for all of His people with all divine authority. That we are created by Him, And so we have great dignity, purpose, and worth. We are fallen into sin, and so we will face hard things, and we can't save ourselves, but we are fully and freely redeemed by Jesus with a love we could never deserve, 
And so we are on our way to the new creation where God is going to make all things right and all things new. Amen? Let's finish with some prayer. Lord, we just want to bring all of this to You and all of the ways that we ask these questions and that by Your Spirit You would minister these truths deeply to our souls. Help us to fight the fight against the lies we believe. Help us to believe that You've created us. Help us to make sense of the hard things we face. Help us to look to Jesus for salvation and help us to hold on to hope to endure when it doesn't feel like it's worth it. Thank you that you are real and that you are at work in this world and in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.